welcome to The Panic Pod. This episode is on root cause anxiety, and is there such a thing? So for example, if I've been bitten by a dog, and the same dog waits outside my house because it's got a taste for flesh in my blood, my anxiety has a root cause. The mm-hmm. root cause is that a dog bit me, and I don't want to get bitten again. Mm-hmm. But does that mean all anxiety has a root cause? No, particularly disordered anxiety. In fact, no, we could argue and discuss that it does have a root cause, but it's not the kind of cause that's romanticized, a root cause that's romanticized through something called inception thinking, where you think, oh, if I just think and find this miracle thought, mm-hmm. I'll find the trigger to all my anxiety. How are you doing today, Ella? Um, I really enjoyed recording the last episode with you, as opposed to all the other episodes, which were like (laughs) pulling teeth. Uh, Yeah, I am great today and um, was really curious about this episode because, um, yeah, it it pulls in that question again about generalized anxiety disorder versus um, just acute anxiety or anxious responses in our day-to-day lives so you don't have an anxiety disorder um but uh but yeah it's it's got me thinking already about josh you're a therapist you, you went to school for for learning about the history of of psycho and psychoanalysis and all that kind of stuff um so early on in psychology um people were trying out weird experiments and and just kind of popularizing what's now like cbt therapies and stuff do you think there was too much of a focus on like cbt therapy exclusively and and the kind of perpetuation of an old school myth that yeah if you can just get down to the root cause of something then all your anxiety will go away well, CBT is a new form of, in relatively new form of therapy. Uh, psychodynamic oh, okay. is the oldest form of therapy, which is lie down. Psychodynamic, maybe that's what I was yeah, thinking that's more That's the of, Freudian yeah. stuff, you know, okay. lie down, do stuff like CBT, uh, CBT for anxiety disorders is really good uh, in general if practiced right uh, mm-hmm. and by someone who understands anxiety disorders. Um, but yeah, the old so, school, the, like lying on a lounge or whatever and then yeah, like... Yeah, there's a place for that stuff. Yeah, there's a place for that stuff. You know, uh, psychodynamic, uh, Freudian, Jungian, Mm -hmm. um, people like that. Like, there is a place for us. A Jungian, uh, Carl Jung, a Jungian therapist used to follow me on Instagram. So they started reading my content about what I'm going to talk about today um, about anxiety because they were like, oh, anxiety starts at the root cause. And I was like, some does but also some doesn't, you know? Um, and that's what I wanted to talk about today. It's really important. Um, and yeah, you're right. I'm a therapist, but there are many therapists and a lot of them don't understand disordered anxiety. And it's the reason why my Instagram page is exploded because finally, you know, people are flocking to someone who actually understands. Obviously, I'm not the only person, but like... It's it, good that people, people who are re- niche. Well, people resonate with it and stuff. And like, look, take the old narrative. You go to therapy, you lie down. Let's find the root of the cause of my problems. Once I find it, all my anxiety goes away. That is really, really not a helpful. In fact, it's almost uh, it has the opposite effect for people with GAD, intrusive thoughts, 
OCD and panic. And I know I've had mm. panic disorder and I used to sit there, well, if I sit in and work it out and try and find the root cause, it'll go away. No, that just kept me indoors, ruminating and, and, and giving anxiety a problem. Mm. Now, there's a difference between, say, disordered anxiety and trauma. trauma. So people with PTSD, if a lot of their anxiety does have a root cause, so let's say I'm in the trenches and I and I see my friend get blown up by a grenade, or let's say I'm a survivor of sexual assault and it was a tall man who who who, who perpetrated that. Every time I hear a loud noise or every time I am around a tall man, mm-hmm. my threat response, the amygdala, might signal just in case there's danger because of the associations. Mm-hmm. And you could argue, well, that is the root cause, isn't it? There's the root cause to that. You were you traumatized or you saw stuff that the brain found so shocking that it hasn't quite processed. Mm-hmm. Um, so PTSD is different. But the vast minority of people with anxiety disorders struggle with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of people that go through trauma don't get mm-hmm. PTSD. Mm-hmm. So that's so what I wanted to chat to you about today, Ella, is that like, and again, this is more my realms. I just want to hear your thoughts on it, really, because I don't, I don't expect you to kind of know too much, but I know that your reflective skills and your summarization skills are, like, the best. But, like, part of recovering from anxiety is getting the correct formulation on what your anxiety is. Are you anxious just because you had a panic attack once and you really hated that feeling and you thought you were going to die, so you keep an eye out for it again and you end up on a, on a cycle, an anxious cycle? By the way, safety is great for that. Uh, where you're just constantly anxious, worried about why you're anxious, misinterpreting why you're anxious. Misinterpreting is a great word. Or is there something going on where you've got conventional anxiety where actually maybe you're being bullied at work? Maybe Mm -hmm. you're in an abusive relationship. Maybe there's something that you can pinpoint that stuff on, you know? Maybe Mm -hmm. there's you're holding on to some grief which comes out in conventional anxiety. And this is why formulation is so important. And formulation is a word that derives from CBT and a good CBT therapist will formulate the problem well. But do you have disordered anxiety, conventional anxiety, or trauma? And depending on which one, it has a root Mm -hmm. or not. Now, the vast majority Mm -hmm. of people listening to this, people who follow my work and read my books, there is no root cause. There is none. And if there is a root, it's pretty obvious. Mm. And that's why it's so important. But so you get people who obsess about their own anxiety and then they go to a conventional therapist who says, oh, let's explore it. What does this mean to you? But this person has OCD. They're just looking for certainty. The the root cause is their fear of being uncertain. That's it. But then if they're talking to a therapist going, yeah, yeah," and going round and round in circles, suddenly the OCD becomes stronger. And actually the science now and, and research that has come out recently that where actually people with OCD and conventional talking therapy actually does more harm than good, you know, and that can happen with panic disorder and stuff as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a bit like, is there a root cause or is there not? The vast majority of the time, no, that narrative doesn't actually help progress because mm-hmm. if we believe there's a root cause, anxiety has our attention when anxiety has our attention we worry about it when we worry about something we ruminate the anxious response the amygdala thinks oh my god being anxious is a problem oh my god feeling anxious means there's something we've got to solve 
and you spend up spend days weeks months years finding the solution because of this prescribed belief that there is a root cause and i'll go ahead and say it again 95 percent arbitrary number that i've just thrown up but 95 percent of people there is not a root cause and for the remaining five percent if there is a root cause you can find it pretty quickly it's pretty obvious Um, does that make sense that does make sense yeah yeah um it's just got me thinking a lot about um like in combination of my own experiences friends of mine who have experienced like pretty significant grief like losing a parent or losing someone like unexpectedly suddenly and um uh, or people yeah like you said like affected by by trauma that doesn't just stay acute to sort of manifest as ptsd um it's it's not just understanding where anxiety came from that can fix it because you can make space and repeat over and over again to people who have experienced something that you could call the root cause of anxiety. Like it's okay that you experienced that. Let's talk about that. And like, you can talk until your lips are blue about a particular topic and still not have the anxiety go away. And just from having friends who have experienced that having periods in my own life where I go, okay, just because I've figured this out intellectually doesn't mean that the anxiety has gone away. And, um, yeah, seeing how, like, family members of of mine who have lost loved ones, like, even trying to create the space for them to talk about it doesn't cure the situation of of having anxiety around, um, around something else. So, um, like I know it's specifically about trauma and we, we've mentioned this before, but it's, it's the little bit of reading that I do on psychology every year. So of course we're going to talk about it a lot this year. I read the body keeps the score, which is specifically about trauma. It's, it's a, um, uh, Bessel van der Kolk. Is that the name? Yeah. Um, yep. who wrote, a, a book which covers the experiences of a bunch of different people with all different types of post-traumatic stress disorder. So from veterans to people who have experienced sexual assault, car crashes, like, a lot of different stories and his approach seems to be not against CBT by any means, but just that when you're trying to unpack these things as a person, you really do have to explore multiple pathways of therapy until you find out which one works best for you. So pathways being like one pathway is CBT. Another one might be yoga therapy where it's like yoga that's specifically guided to be for PTSD. Another one was like this, this, um, eye fixation um method where you sort of follow a therapist's finger yeah emdr yeah um and just that there's like no one size fits all for for that type of therapy and so is that similar to when people are i mean when people are coming to a therapist like like there must be just many different strategies to to answer that first question of is this root cause is this generalized anxiety disorder? Is this PTSD? Like, there there must be quite a bit that goes into that first diagnosis to then figure out the pathway. Absolutely, and this is why. I mean, I I originally trained in humanistic therapy, which is we don't do diagnosis and medicalized okay. labels. Uh, but I I'm not a purist in that because I do believe in formulation. Formulation is so so important, um, and getting it right. 
So you have a lot of therapists with the best intentions will say, well, we'll get to the root cause of your, of your anxiety. Um, and, and, and some, you know, in a lot of cases that works. And if there is something external that has a root cause, i.e. I've been through trauma, uh, I've been in a car crash of, of a veteran of war, um, you can find the root cause of that anxiety. That, that's the thing that keeps that threat response going off. And by talking about it, practicing kind of exposure, imaginal exposure, things like that, you can kind of teach the brain that it's okay again. But for a lot of people with anxiety disorders, and I'm going to bring us back to the jug analogy that we always use, mm. but a lot, the root cause for people with a lot of interesting normal like anxiety disorders is nothing in particular. It's an accumulation of stressful events where our jug overflows, our amygdala doesn't understand all of the stress, so it signals the threat response from seemingly nowhere. That's why people have panic. Uh, agoraphobia, health anxiety, whatever, uh, because the stress has been building and building and building, and that itself is the root cause. Mm. So it's not like inception thinking where we're going into mm. the third, the second, the third dream level to find, oh yeah, it's because dad didn't come to my soccer game. No, no, it's, right. not, it's not that. It's what happened was your jug overflowed, and you've got to deal with that. Don't misinterpret that. Uh, my friend Drew of the Anxious Truth podcast, he he has an analogy called like with a lot of anxiety disorders is like when the anxiety disorder kicks off, it's like lighting a match, and setting fire to something. But when the fire brigade get there, they're not interested in finding the match. They're interested yeah. in putting out the fire, you know, yeah. and then maybe afterwards, you know, if it matters, find out what the cause of the fire was. It was that match. And that's the same with this anxiety disorder. So I love talking about this. Is like some just don't really have a romantic original. Mm. Most don't have an, a romantic original cause or, or, or mm. a beginning. Um, and that's why it's like <laughs> for anxiety disorders, which are all about being on a ruminative cycle, a ruminative wheel where we're just constantly obsessing about how we feel, trying to work it out, trying to find a miracle thought, like I say in my books. Uh, but actually, all that's happening is that you're just giving it all your attention, you're wasting hours, life is passing you by, you've still not got an, a, a solution, and you've kept your body in a state of threat. And you've also told the amygdala that being anxious is something that needs to be fixed and solved. That is the problem, mm. not the, oh my God, let's find the match that started this fire mm. that I need to put out. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Or am I just talking absolute nonsense? No, that, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And do you think the way that people deal with their first or second or third or like big anxious responses, so like having a panic episode and not having anyone around who recognizes what that is or, or gives a support, like can it be just kind of like this grain of sand that builds upon itself where it's like because the first one wasn't dealt with very well then there's this feeling of the need to like stifle it and then that creates more anxiety and more like you said the same about panic attacks but i wonder if like like sometimes even just in our families or culturally it's like we go through these times where we need to express emotion and then that gets misinterpreted as this evil bad thing that is not normal and I shouldn't do it. And then that sort of like builds this calcium on top of it of I can't express my emotions. Like we were 
we were just watching a, a documentary last night with a, a father who was he fought in the second world war he was american and he talks about like having this support group for 10 years in his 40s and realizing that it was okay to be angry like realizing that he had been stifling that emotion for such a long time and like root causes don't necessarily need to be like a traumatic event or like a one-off circumstance but they can sort of just be like this like callus that's built up oh over yeah time. i love i love that yeah i i'm stealing that root causes can be something that's that, that's that, that's cal yeah calcified calloused mm -hmm. over time um and if Absolutely. some spirit could somehow take you back to the first episode, you know, assume, like even if there was one, even if there's mm. this time traveler that can take you back in time to the first time that this root cause happened, it could have been something so minor, like mm. spilling juice in class. And then that somehow like creates this whole like. Yeah, but even that's not the root cause. That just right. adds to the jug. Right. And right. You did, it didn't spiral you into disordered anxiety when you spilt the juice it's just a memory that added to the jug and then the mm. jug collected hundreds and hundreds of memories then became full and then kicked off mm. and what unfortunately in a lot of modalities of therapy they do subscribe to this thing where you explore the narrative to find the root cause which doesn't help i'll explain mm. my own story so for me like i'd started developing panic attacks when i was caring for my younger brother who was dying my father wasn't well and I was broke and I was just coming out of an attack cannabis addiction and I was finished university and I was like, oh, and, and there's lots of stuff going on. Um, just come out of a relationship as well. Uh, and then suddenly I had a massive panic attack because my jug was full. Loads of stuff was happening at the time as well as unresolved stuff from childhood. It just built up. It was like, boom. And that anxiety attack scared me so much. I misinterpreted it. I didn't know what it was. I thought I was going insane, losing my mind. And because that itself traumatized me for weeks, months, I then thought there was something wrong with me. So then I went down, well, what do we do as humans when something, when we believe something's broken and we try to fix it? And then I spent more wasted hours trying to fix myself. Well, the whole time I was completely fine. I just got really stressed and the body does what it does when it perceives a threat. So mm. when the, my jug overflowed and I misinterpreted that. What didn't help though, when I was going through to counselors and they were like, well, let's find the root cause. What was it, What was the relationship like with your dad and all that? I'm like, yeah, I mean, now that there's a time and place for that, but not when you're in the midst of, of disordered mm -hmm. anxiety, you're not gonna get any answers there. Mm -hmm. Exploring the relationship mm -hmm. with my father is nothing to do with my fear of fear. Yeah, you know? right, yeah, yeah. That Whereas, was the fire. The fear of fear is putting out the fire. Absolutely, yes. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, but, but don't get me wrong, once I overcome the fear of fear and put out the fire, mm -hmm. I did want to go and see where the match, how this match lit. And that's mm -hmm. when that kind of therapy is amazing. That's mm -hmm. why it's so important if you've got an anxiety disorder or trauma mm -hmm. or conventional anxiety to find the appropriate therapist that is trained mm -hmm. in each. Now, mm -hmm. conventional therapists are, are amazing and they're great at what they do, but some therapists are not trained in the world of disordered anxiety. And unfortunately, you can end up, it can actually end up having a detrimental effect. Um, someone messaged me the other day saying, I've been three years with my therapist in Jungian therapy. I was like, you, mate, you shouldn't be three years into any therapy without making mm -hmm. any progress. Like, mm -hmm. 
when people work with me or people work with a good CBT therapist, your sessions are capped at like 12 because they expect you to make progress in 12. And that's what, that's what the evidence suggests in 12 sessions. Um, then if you want to go into open-ended person-centered talking therapy, that's your prerogative. Mm. But um, yeah, as I can tell, it's something I'm really passionate about. And what mm. I really don't like is when I have these conversations at conferences or colleagues and I talk with other therapists of different modalities who don't, who even sometimes neglect the the label of disorder. It's like, no, like this is a disorder. Like anxiety is disordered. It's mm. kicking off and we don't want it to kick off. It lets mm. go with its literal meaning. But they're like, no, it must be all unconditional. Let the client know. No, the client doesn't know what's going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. I was ill mm -hmm. for ages because I didn't know what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. I needed mm -hmm. someone to explain what disordered anxiety was. You know, mm -hmm. same when I work with people with trauma. They mm -hmm. got to educate people what the trauma means, what it does to the body, mm -hmm. to understand it a bit more. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks to people like Bessel van der Kolk that you mentioned and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Anxiety has a root cause. Now, let's let's talk about some stuff that does have a root cause. You know, um, I'll do one. Let's do let's do a, a a show and tell. So I'll give an example of some anxiety that I did that I had that did have a root cause. So I had this obsession with trying to make people laugh, and when they didn't laugh, I used to get really anxious. That does have a root cause. And the root cause of that was when I was younger, the only way to get anything positive out of my father was to make him laugh. So I interjected a lesson, and I've said this in a previous episode, mm -hmm. but like mm -hmm. I interjected a lesson that it's important to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. And so therefore the anxiety I had in response to not ma making people laugh did have a root cause. Mm -hmm. However, on the same day, I could have anxiety where I just feel anxious and I don't like it and I'm afraid what mm -hmm. that anxiety means that doesn't have a root cause. That's just a fear of anxiety and what it can do. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that does make sense. And like, again, always going back to this metaphor that we, that we established on like early on in the panic pot of, of that stress jug. It's like, these things are really complicated because like one type of anxiety can then feed some more stress into the jug because you have this particular association with like making people laugh or any any sort of anxiety and then like just a bad day where there's all sorts of things piling up on top of each other can make the jug overflow but to to say that it's all one cause is just irrational because like you've just said like it can be partially this this anxiety associated with that it can partly be just the fear of having a panic attack and then on top of that you have a work performance review on the same day all you know just happening that are that are going into the jug Absolutely. Uh, and actually, I, I love how you said that like, the fear of having a panic attack. It made me feel of like f phobias. Mm. You know, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, the dog. Mm -hmm. What's the root mm -hmm. cause of your phobia of a dog? I'm Getting afraid of dog. dogs. Yeah. 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 Um, what's your root cause of your phobia of anxiety? I'm afraid of anxiety. Yeah. That's the root having cause. Anxiety, no, no, yeah. no, let's talk about how your mum preferred your siblings and what. No, I'm just afraid of anxiety. Yeah. Like, like, that's it, you know, and a lot of therapists don't acknowledge that. That's why mm -hmm. I do like CBT or metacognitive therapy, because they're starting to realize that actually it's that. It's the fears mm -hmm. and, and the thinking processes behind certain things mm -hmm. that is the root cause. And unfortunately, if, if 
the the common theme now even you ask anyone off the street ask them what do you think happens in therapy and they'll say stuff like oh we need to find the root cause to of my problems and stuff right. and it's like wow what a yeah, misinformed no. and unhealthy narrative and, and belief to have yeah. about therapy because that's I think scary. there's something it's scary and i think that there's something that's yeah like culturally perpetuated or like that we just think somehow like it's it's more romantic or it just makes more sense to have these things that are like again i think it's that that jungian freudian background that makes people think like oh it's always going to come down to your mom or your dad or or how you're treated amongst your siblings like that's always how it's going to come down like that that's what's always going to boil down to but like you can have these weird like effects in your life and traumas based off weird things like uh it's been such a long time since the record, I haven't actually told you this, but so Ella Jean is trying to get on the whole roller skating trend that's been happening in summer 2021. And guess what happened? It's on the first day that I got this my roller Ella skates. Ella Jean is a London hipster. She's a London hipster. <laughs> and I was so cocky because I had done inline skates like all the time growing up that I got these quad skates <laughs> and I went out to the park and I put them on right away. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be really easy to learn. And I went, I did it, like, just a few, like, back and forth laps and stuff. And anyway, I'm trying to sort of, like, get to grips on my quad skates. And I'm trying to pass this guy on a stroller. And it would have been hilarious if you were there. But I smacked down on the pavement. I really genuinely hurt myself. It's okay to laugh at this because it would have been hilarious to see. I am laughing. But genuinely, laughing. like, it's okay because I'm better now. You know, I didn't get a concussion. I was wearing my wrist guards. I was wearing all I my knee pads. I didn't ask you if you're okay now. I'm still laughing how funny that is. <laughs> Just the imagination of it is, it is very funny. I don't, it's fine to laugh at it. And I'm not at work now. You're not paying me to be a psychotherapist. <laughs> uh, you get, you get yeah. no compassion. You've, so you've like, failed. Oh my gosh. And it really did teach me like, you know, a bit of caution is good once in a while. But anyway, you know, I like, I really hurt my hip and my knee. And I was like really in pain for about three days. And it slowly started to get better. About two weeks later, I'm like finally like recovered. But, but what I purposefully made myself do on that day was get back on the skates and just very slowly, awkwardly, like do a little bit of a lap around the park on them. Just that I kind of, I knew already, I knew already that if I didn't at least try a little bit after I fell, that I was going to start to create this like anxiety around getting back on them again. So you were dealing with the root cause as soon as it happened. This yeah. is also because when I was nine years old, I fell off a horse and my mom made me get back on. And so oh, that was a, also the same thing. That's a privileged upbringing, isn't it? I also lived in Calgary, Alberta. So. <laughs> I'm just messing sorry. with Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry that we have farms nearby. Um, but sorry, yeah, sorry I was loved, Josh. I, sorry. I literally. <laughs> I literally fell off the horse and my mom made me get back on. And I was crying and she was like, Ella, they don't just say the saying for no reason. Like, yeah, you do you'll have to get, get back, back on, on Because you'll never get back no. on. And she's like, it's going to yeah. be now or you're not going to get back on. And I mm. got back on and did a couple laps. And I think that actually really genuinely helped. Because the first time you do get back up, same with the roller skates, it was pretty scary. I was like, I don't want to fall again. So I was way mm. more cautious. No. Well, your amygdala's going, this is dangerous now. Exactly. And, and, and you're saying, exactly. no amygdala. Yeah. I'm fine. But that plus time would have made it so much worse. And mm. so, you know, all, all of that story was really just to illustrate that, like, 
I could have had anxiety for the rest of my life around quad roller skates. And the root cause could have been something as simple as I really like wiped out on some quad roller skates at one point. It doesn't have to be this like romantic thing about like, you know, it's, it's not always just going to boil down to like an old relationship, your, your parents or like some big thing that everybody else relates to. Like these experiences can be so unique to us and how our, how our brains process stuff. Like, Absolutely. It can just be so unique to the individual. It's not going to be cookie cutter for everybody who goes through therapy. Absolutely, and as and and, and you explaining that just inspired me to talk about on one of the most important points okay. here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I've never been on a pair of roller skates. I'll try maybe. I'll, I'll maybe get a pair and see. What, no, that'd be just a shock to everyone's everyone's visuals. <laughs> that that will give people PTSD. Um, but in general, you're more than you can also get disordered anxiety if you have been traumatized. Mm -hmm. Do not place it on. I've been through trauma. Uh, my own younger brother is 15 years old, died in my hands. I watched my father die. I have been traumatized. I was beaten to pulp mm -hmm. in school, terrorized, and yet I don't have PTSD. I had an anxiety disorder, and it was mm -hmm. nothing to do with all of that. And mm -hmm. so it is completely possible to be a, a survivor of assault to be mm -hmm. in an abusive relationship, to do all these, and that have nothing to do with mm -hmm. your anxiety disorder. Or mm -hmm. you could have both. Mm -hmm. You could have particular anxiety that has a root, i.e. a trauma response in, re in re relation to a flashback maybe or, mm -hmm. in a, or something that reminds you of the trauma. Or you could have your disorder anxiety, your OCD, your, your panic disorder, becoming enmeshed in that story you know mm -hmm. i i pinned all my panic attacks on you know seeing the trauma of my brother die in my arms but it, no yeah that was traumatic but it was fuck all to do with my panic attacks in fact it probably was in the sense that yeah that filled my jug up enough but it wasn't the root it was mm -hmm. part of the stress that led me to disordered anxiety and i think that's really important i think we should kind of kind of wrap it up and leave it there i want people to realize that just uh, we, we covered a lot in a short amount of time yeah. there and if if you want to re-listen to this episode i i recommend it but mm -hmm. if you're seeing a therapist and learn about finding roots and stuff make sure that you think about it and think do i need to find a route or is this disordering is this just a phobia of fear yeah. did mm -hmm. i just fall off the horse or fall off my roller skate and I, I know what it is. I just, I've just developed a fear of it. I've just developed a fear mm -hmm. of my sensations. I've developed a fear of my mind. And that uh, can and really empower you to then say to your therapist, being, being brave is, I think, a big part of it, just uh, being ready to explore all those different pathways. And, and like you say, you have to, know, have to know what you want as much as your therapist is trying to help you. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you... Um... Well, we've left people some stuff to consider there. Yeah. Now I'm going to do some self-promotional stuff. Untangle Your Anxiety is a bestseller in UK, US, Canada, etc. that I said in the last episode. Uh, that's I a have it. It's a great book to just have on hand, you know. Uh, this you, podcast you, is for people table. Yeah, if you've got a wonk, <laughs> wonky table, no. to toilet reading, can't, no, can't start your log fire, you bang it on there. What? Your fourth book now? You're working on your fourth book of words. Yeah, Intrusive yeah. Thoughts is going to be next. Uh, I'm really excited about it. It's gonna, No them, one's ever written anything like it. All of them, your approach is around what do people need when they're experiencing this and they want to have something practical to like pick up and 
and, Psycho- and so is psychoeducation like it's just reassuring mm-hmm. you you're all right you're actually really normal and that for a lot of people is okay you know yeah. come mm-hmm. give us a follow on instagram at the panic pod at ella of the net at anxiety josh uh mm-hmm. and let us know what your thoughts uh we'll catch you next time the next episode will be I'm, i've got a guest on kimberly quinlan and we'll be talking about emetophobia Ooh. next uh, mm-hmm. As well as other phobias, not just emetophobia. Um, um, but Ella, Without saying too much, I think that episode on emetophobia is going to be sick. Oh, you went there. You had, you had to throw that up at the end. Whoa. Oh, we're God. so funny. Oh, my God, we're so good. Jeez. That's so funny. God, no, we, let's, let's go and hang our head in shame. Thanks, Ella. I'll, ca- I'll catch you next time. <laughs> See you next time, John. See you next time. Bye.